0: Welcome back, and welcome to our storytelling interview with the multifaceted Terry Farish. As Pat mentioned, you're a children's picture book author, young adult novelist, world traveler, poet, author of the blog The Rabbit in the Moon, which you'll have to tell us more about. And now you are officially a True Tales Live first-person storyteller. (laughs) Glad you're here, so let's jump right in. Your story was incredibly touching and moving. absolutely touched every single one of us, all of our hearts. And you told it excellently well. It strikes me that the letter you got from that boy in some ways shaped, in important ways, I guess, shaped and formed your career. As a Unitarian Universalist minister, I would say, more your career became a kind of vocation, almost a kind of ministry. That's what I would argue at any rate. Mm -hmm um so if you would share some more with us about the connection between the letter and the heart of your work well as i said you know in 30 seconds or less
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i i always loved the letter i kept it right so beautiful and it it i don't think i had considered its impact on me until I was writing this story. I just know that wherever I went, the letter came with me too. Um, but I, I, I loved that it was, it was a part of my past that I did say that I could begin to try to understand something more of my past in the war. Um, Clues. Just, it was a clue to my life, but I didn't know what it meant, and I'm still not sure.
0: <laughs> but the letter, in a sense, was something that just didn't live on the outside, but it got inside of you. It became mm-hmm. part
1: of you in some mm-hmm. important way. Well, it was so emotional to me when I came back from Vietnam to see Vietnamese refugees come here. I, 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 I had such a profound emotional connection to them. Sure. And I wanted to be there. I wanted to connect with them and hear about the journey over here. I felt, um, in some ways, responsible (laughs) for them. And, And because I had read and studied so much about the impact of the war on the Vietnamese people. And then when the Vietnamese people started writing their own stories, and then I could hear those accounts, then they grounded me further in the reality of that war.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, But I did feel, I think, that sense of responsibility um, when they came here made me deeply connected to them, very deeply connected.
0: So was there some way in which your experience in the war in Vietnam influenced your work as a writer or your becoming? Oh, completely, completely. Uh, uh, and at least in my experience, <laughs> yeah. young adult novel writing and children's stories are two quite different genres. So how how did that work out for you? How did that unfold? Young adult
1: novel and
0: you you write picture books. Oh,
1: the two, yes, yes. Um, Picture books are poetry. We'll get to poetry in just a minute. (laughs) Picture books are are so so spare, and I'm just editing one now, and like my my editor says, you know, what if we take this line away? And it's much better without that line. So editing a picture book is just like editing a poem. When you get down to the purest, the purest essence of the the meaning that you're trying to express. So that's why I write picture books. And novels, I write novels for everybody. They just happen to have young protagonists. Uh (laughs) And So the market calls them young adult fiction. And and, and I love that. I love writing for teenagers. Um, But I think I like um writing about a person and the time of their life when they begin to see where there are conflicts they can't fix and what people how people face their conflicts with 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 great hope for the future and and it, it probably it goes I just I just have this idea that I myself am still a child and I have layers over me, so I'm still working with that child self. And when I write, that's my truest, purest uh, way <clears throat> to be, because I can, I can act more mature, <laughs> but I know that child self of, of, of innocence and yearning.
0: I think we all have those layers over that child self. Yeah. Now, you've traveled fairly widely. Uh, It's my impression you've traveled to Africa. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I
1: have. My travels...
0: Is that in farming writing, too? Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, they're research trips. Sure. But my travel mostly comes out of when refugees come to this country and I meet them. Um, if I'm, I've taught English as a second language, or I've worked with them in other capacities of their writing. I've supported them in their writing. And then I want to see their home country.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So I met many people from South Sudan in Portland. And after I met uh, families I, I mostly I worked with the teenagers because I wanted to tell about a teenage girl's experience of coming out of war in South Sudan and going to school in portland high and that huge huge leap that, a human,
0: simole, yeah. y- that a
1: human takes and 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 can thrive but then after I met her and Created fiction out of the many, many, many South Sudanese kids that I met and their families, then I I wanted to, I needed to go to Africa. Um, I went. I didn't go to, into South Sudan. The war was going on and continues, um, but I went to Kakuma refugee camp on the South Sudanese border with Kenya. So my travel is all um, kind of in response to the newcomers who introduced me to their to their their language and their world, and, and and I'm drawn to go there and see myself.
0: So you're <clears throat> kind of a translator, or um, someone who, uh, what would be the word, works between cultures, where you work with individuals, but you you live on the border or work on the border of different cultures in a way. I do. It strikes me.
1: When I was young, I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be an international journalist. And I feel like I'm sort of a, a, a journalist because um, I like to interpret for, uh, like I write for probably a lot of white communities that don't have refugees in them um, and kids in schools that might have too people from the congo and they don't know why they're there. You know, so I think I'm trying to interpret the newcomers here mm. for the for Americans, for long-term Americans who 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 don't who don't understand why these people are here in different garbs and yeah. with different languages.
0: And, and it's that kind of telling of their stories that's helped build bridges between individuals and cultures. That's and that's partly what we're about here at True Tales Live. So, um, I'm going to come to that in a minute. Uh, have you always been interested in poetry as well? Or is that something that's come along more lately? Your and my connection to the poetry comes through the Portland of the Poet Laureate program. And, yeah,
1: that's true. And the- I love poetry. I love to read poetry. Um, I, I don't think of myself as a poet. I think of myself as a, as a novelist, but to tell you the truth, when I write a novel, I often begin by writing poems.
0: Do you? Yeah.
1: <clears throat> because that's the purest, truest kind of writing. You can get deeply into um, an emotion, into the specifics of, of a place through poetry. So I try to go deep in there, and then I can spread out and tell the full story. It's my belief that
0: narrative poetry, storytelling, and musical lyric writing are essentially all cut from the same cloth. Or as the car guys might have said, they're three sides of the same two parts. (laughs) So uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Now here, more recently, you've become a storyteller, an onstage storyteller.
1: Just tonight. Yeah, well. (laughs) That's real recent.
0: (laughs) But something must have drawn you, because you already know how to craft stories, award winnings. This story. was the hardest
1: thing I've ever done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what made you able to do it, or what led you to take on the challenge? It is challenging. I mean, when, when I work on a story, it's a lot of hard work a lot of hard work right mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. of course it is
1: you don't know how well yes you do <laughs> how wonderful Well, I went into the True Tales workshop and people were sitting in a horseshoe and I got I was at a, a podium I love where there's a stool and, and, the, and the music stand and everyone was everyone listened to me <laughs> Every, and they had notes they were taking notes <laughs> how did that happen? (laughs) It feels so wonderful to be listened to. It's not the same. I can't hang out with people reading my books. I mean, (laughs) what page are you on? (laughs) It's very satisfying. And it's so satisfying to put down your paper and to not read, but to look at people. And they're looking at you. Uh, I love doing it. it scared me so bad. I walked in Rogers Park every day for a month telling this story, trying to remember it so that I could uh, actually say it on a stage.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge. <clears throat> when I work on stories, I tend to write them out. I sit on my computer and type them out. <clears throat> yeah. but I, and I sometimes have text with me, but I really try to work out of a text to work yes. behind it yes <clears throat> and you had a text but you were so fully present in your story yeah. and i think that often happens at, on our stage yeah, here I think people have texts with them mm-hmm. but they're merely they're really more like line of security blankets than something somebody's mm-hmm. just reading word for word mm-hmm.
1: and i found that as i told it even in practicing um that this, what I wrote changed because I became more colloquial and I wanted to talk to people mm-hmm. and I wanted to, you know, use more slang and make it more um, it, uh, casual because it, it, got, it got more intimate. And then it kept changing. I, I wrote that end. <laughs> Every time I told the story in the woods, it had a different end to it. Is
0: that right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we may be in for more versions of this story, who knows. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. Tell us a little bit about your blog. Okay. And then we'll talk a little bit about stories telling you. Um, I
1: have a blog. Uh, It's called Rabbit in the Moon. Right. And that image is an image that I discovered. I was writing a book about a Cambodian American girl. And there's a, a, a folktale about the rabbit in the moon. And I, I love the tale. It was full of hope. But then I found that the rabbit in the moon is in many cultures. It's in Mexico. It's in um, many Asian cultures, some European cultures. It seemed like a symbol of, of, of goodwill across cultures. So I used that from my blog.
0: And our final question, if you had suggestions for newbies or people who are thinking about trying out storytelling what would you suggest
1: go to the workshop (laughs) go to the workshop because
0: the check is in the
1: mail (laughs) they there's such generosity of spirit and such an encouragement and um, that that helped me tremendously and also um, I I heard other storytellers and they were so good and I wanted to be like them But I couldn't, and so for the new storyteller to know that whatever they do, it's gonna be their own way of doing it and just cherish that individuality.
0: Thank you so much, Terry. This brings us to the end of our interview with Terry Farish. We appreciate truly your storytelling and the conversation. Thank you, David. And if you want to learn more about what Terry is up to, you can check out her website, terryfarish.com. This also brings us to the end of our show. Our thanks to our True Tales Live crew and team, Sam Adams, Amy Antonucci, Sarah Bedingfield, Steve Koval, John Lovering, and Pat Spaulding. And thanks to the entire PPM TV production crew, Chad Cordner, executive director. Our next True Tales Live show is the last day of March, Tuesday the 31st. And our theme is It Worked. Or didn't. (laughs) And there's room on the schedule if you have an it worked or didn't story to tell. Email us at TrueTalesLiveNH1 at gmail.com. And if you are considering telling a story, as Terry says, not me, but Terry, come to the workshop. Know that workshopping a story does not require you to tell the story, but workshops are a great way to dip your toes into the storytelling waters. Our next workshop is next week, Tuesday, March 3rd, from 7.20 to 9 p.m. here at PPM-TV. And to keep up with True Tales Live, sign up for our e-newsletter, True Tales Times. For info on our shows and workshops and other events, sign up online at TrueTalesLiveNH.org. So if you have a tale of what worked or didn't, don't just be irked. Come here and spin it. (laughs) (laughs) My name is David Frainer. Thank you and good night.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. This is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Suvis. Is the
0: camera off? If it is or isn't.